Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. This is a shout out to our Reach Australia Conference sponsors, KidsWise. KidsWise is your partner in kids ministry. KidsWise seeks to provide everything you need to build an effective kids ministry. There are resources for every age group from one-year-olds to 11-year-olds. Lessons that creatively teach the Bible so that every child is engaged. Stories that make God's truth visible to children. Mini movies that beautifully bring to life Bible stories and audio tracks that help kids memorize scripture. KidsWise also offers training for volunteers, parents and team leaders. There's even a masterclass for those overseeing the kids ministry in a church. So why not go to kidswise.com.au, kidswise.com.au and see how KidsWise can partner with your church today. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Madeline Galea. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid, practical tip for gospel-centered ministry every week. Now, Maddie, we're over the hurdy-gurdy of the Reach Australia National Conference. Um, how is your hub? There's been a lot of talk about the different hubs and different locations. What was one of the good things that you enjoyed about your hub? Oh, I was at EV and... Uh... I think one of my highlights was actually singing together. The Sunday before at church, we were wearing masks, we couldn't sing. And then a few days later, the way things turned out, we were able to sing together. And it was nice to do that with 400 people. Um, Yeah, and I found that I walked away being reminded of like our convictions and what we're on about. So it was very, it was exciting. I felt really, it was fun. Well, the one thing is brought to you thanks to Reach Australia. We want to see thousands of healthy, evangelistic, multiplying churches across Australia. And over the past 10 years, we've helped plant 100 churches in Australia, and we're aiming for 200 more by 2030. But the vision's expanded, and we want to see 500 plus leaders developed and grown so that we can see the gospel go out even more in Australia. But for now, you press play on another episode of The One Thing. Five inputs for small groups. That's right. So today we're going to hear a short audio clip from a recent Reach Australia Learning Lab on small groups run by Richard Sweatman. He's the maturity pastor from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. So this was one of our best attended learning labs. Uh, But before we get into hearing from Richard, if you were at the conference, you would have also heard a talk uh, from Graham Fuller, and it was on the eight small group myths. Uh, So we're actually going to start there, and I'm just going to go through these myths uh, quickly. Now, Maddie, can I just kind of push in and push around? Like the title is kind of you know an interesting one, like five inputs. Now, we we don't really kind of like you know often hearing the sort of input output language, but in some senses, what we're talking about there is we want to see a desired outcome. We want to see you know small groups, for example, that mature people. That's that's kind of the big result that we're looking for. You know, people growing in their godliness and their maturity or it could be actually we want to see people cared uh, for in their groups or we might see uh, that we want to pe- see um, you know smaller you know smaller groups of people gathered around God's word you know growing in their knowledge and their love uh, of Jesus and loving one another but you know we've got an outcome there so when we think about inputs and, and five inputs for your small groups you know those things don't just happen by themselves. We actually have no. to be deliberate and intentional with our small groups, which is one of the things that I loved about Graham's, um, you know, Graham's stuff. And so in some ways, your, your sort of inputs are the things that go into actually seeing that desired outcome happen. 
Anyway, I'll let you get on with no, what Brian no. said. I just, I just kind of <laughs> wanted to sort of push into that, sort of kick us off. Inputs, outputs, yeah. All right, here are his eight myths. Uh, small groups are just something churches should run because everyone does it. Small groups are the, the discipling ministry of church. Small groups are mini churches. Small group leaders should be mini pastors. Small groups are a bunch of individual groups. As a church grows, we should start more small groups. Small group leaders will just appear. And lastly, people will find their way into small groups and stay in them. What are your thoughts, Scott? Do you agree? Well, I'm ho- what my thoughts are, I'm hoping <laughs> Tom, our resources guy, is going to get that uh, up on the website you know, sooner rather later because there's a lot of great myths there. Um, but Maddie, what's the one that sticks out for you in all of that? You know, you've been involved in church life for a long time. Which is the one that you go, oh, okay, mm. I, I don't know about that one. Uh, look, number four, small group leaders should be mini pastors. Now, I agree that that's a myth, but I find what's not clear is, well, what's their level of responsibility? Like, sure, they're not a mini pastor, uh, but I find expectations around your small group leaders differ across the board, which is which is fine. But uh, what's the, there might not be a one answer fits all, but what should like what are we expecting from our small group leaders? Well, this is what like what are you expecting from your small group leader? I know you work in mm. sort of the membership area or the community space at uh, the church you go to in Sydney, but you're also part of a small group. What What are you expecting from your small group leaders? Yeah, well, I, I am a small group leader. Oh, so. right, you're a small group leader as well. Because it was awkward for me because I'm, like, I'm a small group leader as well. And I'm like, I don't want to, yeah. Yeah, I know. And to be honest, this is something I'm wrestling with because, uh, so we actually have, we there's I lead with two other guys. So I kind of just do a bit more of the pastoral stuff for the girls. Um, and that was a shift from, from last year when I was leading the studies. And so I'm kind of thinking, I was praying for them. It's maybe meeting up with them once a term outside of the group chat, you know, but um, yeah, chatting with them, seeing how they're going spiritually, um, I guess kind of the the tricky thing is though we go to different services. So in terms of, you know, how regular are they? I don't always know that information. Sorry, maybe I shouldn't go into too much detail. But you know, they're like they're they're great. But I'm like, oh yeah, should I should be nudging them to serve if they're so, not serving. So it's interesting just hearing hearing you talk about that as a leader. You, you're thinking about all the inputs. You know, I've got to pray with them. Um, I've got to meet up with them. Um, you know, what's the outcome you're looking for? You know, in each of them, you want to you want to see them uh, regularly coming to church. You want to see them growing in their knowledge and love of God. You want to see them interacting with other guys and, and having the opportunity to love and care mm. for one another. But now, I, is that sort of the outcome that you're looking for as a I mean, small group leader? You want to see them persevere in Christ and continue to follow Jesus? Yeah, I mean, those are good things. I won't disagree at all. But I, I, I guess with all of them, because people are at such different stages, which I think is is great and completely fine. So all of them, I'm like, what's the, what's like the next step forward? for you in your walk with God, you know, if someone's like a new Christian, their next step is going to be very different to someone who's been a Christian for 10 years, you know? So I think that what's that next step? What does that look like? And that using that sort of vine project, vine growers language of, you know, moving people to the right, moving people towards, uh, you know, being in, in fellowship and relationship with Jesus. I mean, it's interesting. This myth for, you know, is small group leaders, should be mini pastors. And the point that Graham's trying to make there is that you actually don't want to overload your small group leaders with the task of actually being, you know, mini church or the task of actually doing everything. Um, Partly the main reason for this is that it requires so much resource. 
Uh, the other thing is it just puts such a load on, uh, you know, on some people like actually can't do everything. And so your then ability to scale, to grow, uh, to have more groups uh, is, is harder. And often as well, uh, you, you put and pull in some of your better leaders into, uh, into the uh, deep in word system and in your small group system at the cost of you know, other aspects of ministry in church life. So in some ways, knowing, knowing where you want to go, knowing you know, what you want to achieve is, really, is, is the first thing because then you can actually work out, well, what, what are the expectations of that leader? But then working out, okay, how can I pair some of those back so that I can get more people into it? Um, what systems and structures can I put in place that support a leader so they can, you know, at, at their simplest level, you know, Bruce Bennett's quite helpful. What do I need from a small group leader? They need to be able to uh, ask questions, open up their house and... Um, and 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 be you know and pray for people you know that like really simply they don't they don't need to understand all of the Bible although that'd be great you know they don't need to have a great grasp of biblical theology although that would be really helpful as they lead people they don't need to be the best at pastoral care um, but they do need to be able to uh, open up their home facilitate a you know a study uh, do they need to be able to write the whole Bible study so this is these these are some of the I guess the tensions that you're going to face as you put together your small groups. Where if you are expecting your small group leaders to be caring for those in their group and have more of an emphasis on pastoral care, then I feel like the person overseeing small groups needs to be talking to the person overseeing membership because there's just so much overlap between the two. Yeah. So I think Graham helpfully as well articulated the sort of three levels of leadership that you want to have, you know, a group facilitator, a Bible leader and, and a full discipler, um, you know, and, are you in your system as well, intentionally trying to help people, you know, develop and grow into that? You know, so at at its lowest level, you know, mm. which is the wrong way to say it because it's, it's an isn't, uh, but at, at the lowest level, you want people to be able to facilitate a group. Uh, the next, you want you know someone leading, you know, leading people in um, in God's word, and then you want a full, you know, full and disciple. But just the reality is that's going to take a lot. The other final thing to say is that uh, as as you as your small groups sort of systems person you know, grows and goes on in time, there's a thing just known as leadership creep. You know, your level of expectations for leaders just seem to grow. So you've mm-hmm. got to keep, you've got to keep recognizing that and going back and going, well, actually, you know, I'm a, I'm a far better leader now because I've developed and grown. But four years ago when I was starting at this, I wasn't. And so you don't want to be looking for you now. You kind of want to be looking for you, you know, yeah. three or four years ago as well. Mm, that is a good point. All right, uh, we're now going to hear from Richard Sweatman. And so Richard is using, uh, as Scott kind of mentioned earlier, he's using the language of inputs and outputs. Just a reminder, output is the goal you're going for and an input is a method of getting that goal. So this clip is five input goals from Richard to do with your small groups. Uh, he says them quite generally, but it'll be helpful to think into your context uh, and even put some concrete numbers behind these goals. So here's Richard. Now, Graham Fuller suggested many of these, I think, in his session on small group myths. He sort of identified the myth, and then if that myth wasn't true, then what would we do? So I'll highlight some of these as well, and these are fairly general. If you were to adopt them into for yourself, you'd, I think, make them more specific, move them towards being a smart goal, I'd say. But in general terms, here are some possible input goals. It'd be worth your while. Uh, first one is to recruit, orient, and train new leaders. Every small group ministry is dealing with a shortage of leaders. As Graham said, they just won't appear automatically. So one of our inputs needs to be continuous, persevering, recruiting, orientating, and training of new leaders. For example, just yesterday, last night, Joe Clark, my colleague and I, ran a night called Leaders in Training for people who uh, could have group leading on their agenda for next year or should. Um, 
So we gathered some people, we taught the Bible, we spoke about maturity, uh, we interviewed some current leaders, we had some small group discussion, all with the purpose of planting the seeds of small group leading in these people. Now it was a bit small, sadly, there was about 25 people there, would have loved maybe 50, 80 people there, but it was something, it was helpful, maybe we can improve it, but there you are. Certainly not assuming that leaders will arise automatically. And in this, we kind of, um, yeah, bear in mind that, uh, that idea that Graham talked about of keeping a low bar to leadership. Then secondly, another uh, input goal is to start new groups. Always be looking to start new groups. We tend to think that groups meet demand, but we're better off thinking that new groups drive demand. New groups leads to more growth and new groups tend to fill up and new groups fill, fit with uh, gospel optimism and they kind of train new leaders. So starting new groups is good. In Graham's illustration, this is making the dam bigger. An idea worth mentioning at this point is that you might need to let some groups die. Groups can sometimes get to a place where even though their members love them, and, uh, but they are not necessarily meeting your purpose of Christian growth. According to the research in that yeah, Leading Small Groups That Thrive book, um, groups that have been meeting for a shorter period of time contributed more to spiritual growth. Although plus 11 years apparently also seems to be good. Interesting anomaly. All right, so starting new groups. Another input goal could be to support the leaders through team gatherings. Team gatherings have the benefit of building a sense of team among group leaders. We call them team training nights. Other people call them huddles. Doesn't really matter. At the team gatherings, you can encourage leaders and equip them. You can share vision, win people to strategy, equip people with theology and Bible knowledge and ministry skills. At the moment, we run two all-in meetings a year and then two meetings where our small group coaches gather people, um, gather leaders in their homes. They watch some video content from me and have a discussion. Fourth input goal you could consider is to support the leaders through a coach system. At some point, there'll be too many leaders for a paid staff member to oversee and support. A volunteer coach system is essential for growing the ministry. We call ours L2s, meaning leader of leaders, but they go by different names. And the simple brief for a small group coach is to equip and encourage leaders and to manage as many elements of the small group ministry as possible. They do that by prayer and text, calls, meetups, focus coaching, and so on. At our church, they work also on group formation and placing people in groups and identifying leaders and training leaders as much as possible. And this year, we even had L2s and other lay leaders start two new groups and close one group without me even knowing. Uh, this is ideal. And fifth point is to establish a clear pathway into groups. As Graham said, People won't usually find their way into groups uh, organically, especially if your church reaches a certain size. And even then, sometimes if they do join a group, it might not be a good idea. For example, they might think they're a Christian only because they've been baptized and they, they, or they might disagree with key doctrines or the vision of your church. So if you can build a clear pathway, that's great. Is there a process by, whereby your volunteers can work out if someone is a Christian and is there some sort of joining or membership pathway? Will people head towards groups knowing what the purpose of groups is about and, and be on board and great for your leaders? Can you, you know, write that pathway down? Make some diagrams and infographic, whatever. I liked your second point on starting new groups. Um, and so, I mean, he said we tend to think that groups meet demand, but we're better off thinking that new groups drive demand, which is kind of like a switch in thinking and almost the reverse. Um, you know, they lead to more growth, lead to training new leaders. Um, I found the research that he referenced interesting that uh, it sounded like the, the groups that almost like refine each other more and are stronger are the groups that meet for a short period of time 
or over 11 years, um, which is a bit like, that's a big commitment uh, to think, you know, I'll be with these people for 12 months or 12 years. Uh, have you ever been in a group that long? Well, uh, no, Maddie, I'm not that old. No, sorry. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, you haven't been alive long enough. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think 12 months is probably too short, but like 12 to 18 months. So I know there's a small group sort of guru in, in America who kind of breaks his groups up every 18 months for that reason. So that there's, yeah. you know, there's new life and there's an opportunity to sort of break them out of, you know, their, their stuckness and their, and their rightness. Yeah. I but also, it, yeah. So yeah. I was just going to say, I also think with that, um, if I have been irregular in one group, the thought that I can almost get a fresh start and joining another group, it's a new set of people. I feel like mentally I could see that actually being quite helpful for people. All right. I was irregular last year. This was COVID was happening. New group. I'm committed. I get a fresh start. This kind of change is nice in that sense. Well, Maddie, I mean, I my small group that I run, we are the most well attended and most regular group. So we're we're a bunch of you know blokes with kids, and uh, you know, so I'm not a millennial, you know, wishy washy, just flipping <laughs> flopping all over the place like you. But um, no, but it's interesting. Uh, there there are life stages and and uh, and time stages as well that we've got to pay attention to. You know, mm. so again, encourage like if that expectation is you're there every week. Um, that might be impossible, but there is a, there is a real, there's a reality. Like in our group, I, I really, I'm really bummed when I miss it. And, you know, mm. I had my, it's my daughter's birthday next week. And, and I said, oh, look, I've got Bible study next week. You know, do we need to do your birthday dinner that night? And she's like, is Bible study more important than me, dad? I'm thinking, <laughs> uh, no, it's not. Um, but, but it is really important to gather together with God's people and be encouraged, you know? So, so I'm going to you... try and do button juicy before dinner and then I'll, I'll try and get halfway through Bible study after okay. she's in bed. There you go. I was like, what did you decide? Interesting. <laughs> do both. I'm always like, let's do both. Yeah. That is you, actually. That's consistent. <laughs> yeah. Now, Maddie, do you have like a do you have like a coaching system? You know, Richard talked about having a coaching system, you know, that he's used to sort of set up it to train and support leaders. Yeah. You know, have you got a coach who's kind of inputting into you or you at you're not at that stage where you need a coach and you're not also that leader that needs a coach? Yes, this is okay. So from what I uh, from what I know, I don't want to incorrectly talk about Grace City because they're listening. I was but... trying not to mention your church's name. <laughs> oh, so, oh, a church in Sydney. A church oh, yeah. in Sydney. Well, I look, the the guy, Matt Varko, does a great job overseeing community group leaders and so he's in contact with us. Um, from uh, I'll speak, I can speak more confidently about what another church does and they have, uh, which is MBM, and they have this kind of system with a coach. So yep. um, they're looking after a number of leaders. Um, I guess my question in this system is how many small groups do you need to have to then get a coach? Um, and what are you looking for in a coach? I could imagine you'd want them to be good at pastoral care, maybe discernment you know supporting their leaders but um so i said two really good questions maddie and i think the first one you you've got to kind of think about your span of care and your ability to you know input into leaders so generally that's you know sort of six to eight leaders that you can you can care for and i reckon if you've got a full-time sort of deep in word pastor or someone you know full-time kind of thinking into this as you know they might be doing two purpose areas they might be doing this ministry and a youth ministry uh they can you know they can probably get to sort of 20 groups and be meeting up, you know, semi-regularly with the leaders and coaching them and, mm. uh, you know, making sure they're going well. Once you get over that, you actually need, need to insert coaches into the system. And again, I think the mistake uh, sort of hearing this and, and, and moving towards this is that they um, they too quickly, uh, 
they too quickly rush to sort of pull out their best leaders as coaches and just put them as coaches. And so I'd be sort of finding your better small group leaders and saying, could you just meet up with a couple of people um, and maybe particularly focus on the on the, the leaders that need developing, you know? So you don't, you don't need to start with this and say, okay, everyone needs a coach. You know, mm-hmm. for example, I'd saying you as a more, you know, mature leader probably don't need a coach and it also as part of a, a team of three probably don't necessarily, all of you need one, but maybe, you know, the key leader needs a, a coach. Uh, so again, this is where you want to be intentional. You want to think about your people uh, and you also want to think about yourself if you're leading this as well. What's what's my, uh, you know, ability to have, you know, many relationships and to, to, to meet up with people regularly? Have I got a greater capacity for that? Well, great, let's, you know, I might not need to insert coaches into the system. Mm. All right, Scott, what's the one thing you want to say about small groups? I think you want to be intentional and that means being thoughtful about the inputs that are going into making your small group system work. Nice. And what's in the toolbox? Well, uh, the book that uh, Richard uh, mentioned, uh, Leading Small Groups That Thrive, that's a book with all that sort of funky research, really helpful you know, book to sort of push into and think into your small groups. Uh, Richard has written a number of resources for Matthias Media. Uh, and, and I think the Being a Small Group Leader is a really helpful book. You know, that's a, a great book for the, um, the deep in word sort of pastor who's thinking about that, you know, small group system. Uh, they, you know, they've got a whole bunch of expectations, you know, competencies, characteristics that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And then uh, check out the One Thing episode 160, Launching Small Groups. It's a fantastic episode. Awesome. Well, we have some exciting news. We've just started releasing the Church Planting Australia podcast and we'd love you to check it out or maybe even send it to someone you know who might be a potential planter one day. Now, Maddie, is that just a little bit awkward, you know, given that it's your podcast? (laughs) All right. Would it be better for me to say, you know, go to your podcasting app and check that one out? You get to hear from Derek and Maddie on church planting across Australia. Well, look, um... I'm excited for people to consider church planting. Um, nothing to do with me. I just, you know, you should have a think about it. Maybe you could be a planter one day. Anyway, go to your podcasting app and type in Church Planting Australia. I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Madeline Galea. Chat soon. <laughs>